Hey, everybody. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. My name is April Lovett. And my name is Daryl Lovett. We've been together for five years, and we have a three-year-old sweet and sassy little girl, an adorable and smiley baby boy, and our fur child, our dog, Lainey. That's right. We also work our nine-to-five jobs together, we teach together, and we co-own The Lovett Company. That's right. We do so much together. And we wanted to share some of our tips and tricks for living out our 24-7 relationship. Oh, yes. A relationship that is all day, every day. Plus, we want to share with you how we manage to run our side business alongside full-time jobs and still find time for kids, chores, and fun. So in this podcast, the Success in Black and White podcast, we'll be talking about working towards success, overcoming failures, and just living our everyday lives. So get ready, get ready, get ready. We're going to be bringing to you Real Talk Concepts every week as we share some of our stories, best practices, as well as talk to guests about how they have found success by doing extraordinary things in their everyday lives. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Success in Black and White, the podcast. Oh, hey, we are back. We're back. Um, We're excited today. We're actually going to talk about destructive habits. Ooh, destructive habits. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it'll be a good, it'll be a really good um, show. So first, we probably want to get into some life updates. Yeah, go ahead. You can go first. What? Yeah, you go first with the life updates. But I asked you the question. I know, but I'm asking it back to you, so I asked you last. <laughs> so that means you go okay. first. Okay. Um. So I don't know if I have any. W- wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let me explain why. Wait a minute. Okay, go ahead. I'm listening. Well, because for the entire like last week... You, well, you were gone for part of the week, um, but we had sick kids for that entire week. And literally, I felt like life stalled a little bit because I was out with them because we were trying to not let you get sick. So I stayed out with them because you have to travel and fly and stuff. and We don't want you sick while you're flying. Right. Um, So I was out all week and I just felt a little bit like anything interesting with life stalled. But I did get to spend a lot of quality (laughs) time with the kids. So, you know, I don't really have anything like amazing, except that the kids are better, which is good. Baby, you are amazing. So anything you say is worthwhile to me. (laughs) So I'm just trying to hear an update. I guess that was kind of an update what you did. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to tell mine, though, because you're like, well, you know, I stayed home with the sick kids (laughs) so that you wouldn't get sick because you had to travel and you were flying places and doing things. And my life just kind of stalled out. Well. And then I'm supposed to come back and tell you, like, my update. What kind of nonsense is that? Okay, because in (laughs) full transparency, that's how we support each other. Like, you would have done the exact same thing for me if I had to fly that week and be on my game at a conference. Like, you would do the exact same thing for me. So I don't mind it. You're right. Yeah. You're right. No, I don't even want to tell my update. No, you have to tell it now. It's so, like... (laughs) What's your update? Tell I me what it is. I don't want to talk about yes. it. No, you started it. You tell me now. All I was going to do was talk about my shoes. Oh my gosh. 
Exactly. Now you want me to talk about my shoes after you talk about you dove you dove on a grenade for me. <laughs> no, no, no. And that's then I'm not about to, and then I'm about to come back and talk about some shoes. That's not what I said. But I would actually love to know about your shoes. Oh my god. I don't gosh. even know what shoes you're talking about. My new shoes. You have new shoes? Yeah, I got some new shoes. I didn't know that. Yeah, but I wanted this I was gonna update you too on it. Oh, well let me hear. Uh, okay. I guess I'll follow that up with my <laughs> shoes. Jeez. <laughs> Um, so for everyone that's out there listening right now, um, I used to be like a shoe person, but then like, yeah, oh my gosh, you finna do this right now. This is my update. You told me I could say it and now you're going to belittle my update because you sacrificed yourself with the sickness and staying home with the kids. Keep going, baby. I don't want to talk about I my shoes now. Let's shoes. get into the episode. Let's talk about what you say we were talking about. We were talking about destructive destructive habits. habits. Is yeah. shoe buying one of yours? No, that's not <laughs> one of my destructive habits. No. Oh boy. <laughs> do you want me to finish telling this, or yes, do you just want to go into the episode? No, it's finished all your story. And you, the one who said you started out by asking me first. You, you were like, going, I going. asked you first, so you should go. And then I let you go first. That's and true. And then you talk about how you sacrificed yourself <laughs> for the sake of me traveling and the kids. And then I'm trying to talk about my shoes. And then you're <laughs> making fun of me talking about my shoes. No, I want to hear more about your oh, shoes. Oh, my goodness. This life update is about to take up the whole episode. I know. You better hurry up. Ugh. All right. Anyways, like I was saying, um, I used to be a shoe person and um it's kind of starting to transition so i recently bought some shoes and everyone kind of laughs at me when i tell them like what kind of shoes they are um so i used to get shoes and look at doing shoes um based on like how stylish they were or if um you know they were going to match with my outfits and things like that now I'm straight up a comfort person. So I just bought some new shoes and my whole objective was to buy the shoes that were comfortable for me. And that's what I did. So you know what brand shoes I bought? Like like Old Navy? Old Navy sells shoes? <laughs> I no, I didn't buy. I bought me some Skechers. Good oh. Lord. Skechers, basically, my life updated. Skechers is on the comeback. Oh, good for you. You know what I'm saying? Back yeah. in the day, you used to ain't went on Skechers because they were like old man sh- Well, I guess I'm kind of as an old man right now, but they were old man shoes and, and they weren't really that stylish. But now, Skechers are coming back and they got some style in their shoes and I bought me some. And I was very proud of that because I found some shoes that I thought were stylish and they were comfortable and that's my life update and i feel really yeah just like out of place saying my life update right now <laughs> no i'm proud of your yeah, comfortable thank shoes. you so much yeah they're very comfortable and they're stylish <laughs> so okay that was my life update i got some new Great. shoes y'all and i got some sketchers because i wear sketchers and they are comfortable Good and job. now they're stylish as well Great. So, okay. yeah. Well, that's a good life update. Thank you so much. You're I welcome. appreciate it. Let's go ahead and dive into our topic. <sighs> okay, come on. Okay. I'm so trying to get my mind right because you just get like. Get your mind right. You get like, your mind. Okay. So today we are talking about destructive habits. You know? Yes. Destructive habits. <laughs> that's what we're talking about today. Yes. I know. 
Um, so, I got it now. Okay, good. That's good. So when we talk about destructive habits, they're exactly how they sound. Like they're habits that are destructive to your health, to your life, to your wellness, to your relationships. They're just habits that are bad habits that are very destructive. Boom, boom, destructive. Boom, boom. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. Um, so of course, I went and got a whole bunch of science behind habits because that's what I like to do. So we're going to go through some of that. But first, I'm going to tell you what the top bad habits are in America. Yeah, share those. I think those are good to share. If you had to guess, what would they be? The top bad habits? Yeah, like... In America? Yeah. I don't know. Watching TV? Ooh, that's on there. Oh, which one is that? Well, Uh, never mind. I'll let you go through. I was going to say watching TV. Yeah, that's on there for sure. Okay. Well, I'll let you call them out then. The first one is snacking nonstop, even when you're not hungry. Yeah, definitely bad habit. Oh, I should preface this and say this is from an article in Reader's Digest. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the first one was snacking nonstop. The second one was spending too much time on the couch watching TV. I knew it. Watching TV. Snacking and watching TV. That's That's a dangerous combo right there. It is. I would also put in probably that category because this one didn't have its own category on on this particular article, but um, social media. Yeah, social media. Too much social media. Definitely. The third one, overspending your way into debt. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, the fourth, eating too much fast food. Yeah, I can see that too. Yep. The fifth, getting sunburned a few times every summer. What? Because that, well, okay, in white people, well, in black people too, but in white people, that leads to cancer. Yeah. Just more often in white people. Um, the one, two, three, four, five, sixth one is worry, anxiety, and stress. Definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the seventh bad habit: drinking too much alcohol. Yep. The eighth is smoking cigarettes. Mm. And the ninth is overusing painkillers, sedatives, and uppers or amphetamines. Yeah. So my question for you is: What's a bad habit that you've you either currently have or have had in your past? Um, bad habits for me currently or in my past? Yeah, like either you did have it and you've crushed it or you um, still have it now. I think the need to be perfect mm-hmm. is definitely one that I would say that I'm constantly working to change um, because I don't think you can like kill or destroy or get rid of bad habits i think you can just change them um but we'll talk about that later um in my past seeking approval yeah yeah that definitely i think was one um not knowing when to let go yeah i think that that was a bad habit um on many different levels and many different capacities um and then not speaking up for myself oh um yeah i know those are like deep bad habits those are deep bad habits. i know um and we can unpack some of those like as we go through this episode but um just to name off just a few of bad habits that you know were in my past and that i have worked so hard to change or i'm constantly um working to change and and mastering um those 
would be the ones that come to the forefront. Gotcha. I would say for me, um, one of the first ones I thought about was alcohol. And I want to be careful how I say this because I am not an alcoholic and I have not been an alcoholic. Um, and I don't want to do a disservice to people who have that disease. Um, so I don't have that disease, but I would be in the habit of if I had a stressful day, come home and like glass of wine, which turned into two glasses of wine, which turned into maybe three. Right. That's almost a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, Four glasses of wine and you have bottled down. Yep. Yeah, definitely been there before. And so that's been a bad habit. Um, and we'll talk a little bit later about why that was a bad habit um, and how I knew like how I know now that it was a bad habit. And then um, I think another thing for me is not um, you said perfectionism. And for me, it's more like imposter syndrome. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, There are a lot of times that I feel like I don't I'm either not good enough for the role that I'm in or whatever. But that is a habit to. It's a habit that I fall into in thinking that I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough. Why should people take me seriously? Um, and, and that can those can be bad habits as well. Your thoughts and your emotions. Yeah, that's true. Um, so those were a couple that kind of jumped to the forefront of my mind um, when thinking about destructive habits specifically. Right, right. Um, but I do, I want to jump in a little bit about the science behind habits because I found a lot of the science and I thought it was very interesting. Okay. So neuroscientists have found that the habit making part of your brain is known as the basal ganglia and that decisions are made in your prefrontal cortex. But your prefrontal cortex can't keep expending a ton of energy to make the same decisions in a pattern over and over. So once a decision becomes a pattern or routine, that decision gets transferred to the habit-making part of your brain, which is the basal ganglia, which identifies and stores those common patterns in your behavior that your prefrontal cortex made. Okay. Does that make sense? No, but okay. <laughs> okay. Well, well, let's get into an example so it makes a little more sense. There you go. Or okay. I was finna say I can play it back and just listen to you say it like 12 times until <laughs> I get it. Um, so the example that I have is let's think about the first time that you ever drove a car. Okay. Right? And so the first time that you ever drove a car, like you were probably kind of nervous to get in and to get started and like you didn't, you were really intent on everything like your attention was on every little detail like you had to put the key in the ignition you had to you know put the gas on you had to know where the brake was you had to know where all your controls were and you were mindful of those at all times when you first started driving a car right okay i'm with you so after probably about six months of driving a car you your your brain started to transfer that material from your prefrontal cortex, which is constantly making your decisions and constantly like on edge to help you make decisions. And it transferred it to your basal ganglia because it became a habit. Okay, I'm starting to follow you now. I'm picking up what you're throwing down. Right. So it's storing that common pattern. And what that means is that your brain doesn't have to work as hard because it automatically goes into a reflex of you're driving your car. 
Ah, I got you. That makes sense. I'm with you. So there are three components of every pattern, whether it's driving a car, whether it's going for a run, whether it's brushing your teeth, whatever pattern that you have that gets wired into your brain. The first component is the trigger. So for most people, specifically with the driving example, that's opening the car door and getting into the driver's seat is your trigger. That trigger triggers you into a routine. So the routine for you might be, okay, next you stick the key in the ignition, you put your seatbelt on, you check your mirrors, you adjust your music, and then you start to back out. So for you, do you ever think, like when you get in your car in the morning, do you ever have to think about what, like in what um, uh, pattern that you actually do those things in? Like what comes first, what comes last? Or do you just do it all and you don't even know how you do it? It depends. Um, and like, I'm not trying to be like, like, you know, the person that says this science isn't right. It depends. Majority of the time, no. But like, if you've driven the car before me, then it definitely <laughs> breaks my habits. That's true. Cause I moved the seat all around right. and then you have to figure so, it out. So yeah. it depends if we're using this example, but gotcha. But for the context and purpose of what you're saying, no, I actually don't think about it. It is routine to where I get in. Now I'm trying to think through and see what my routine is. Right. And I just and I just do it. And it just kind of happens, except when you drive before me. Right. You put a I put everything on mess it all up. Yeah, you mess it up. Um, it's so funny because I think about even now, like we're so on autopilot and you hear that term a lot autopilot and there's sometimes that I just get in and I drive and I'm like, I don't remember how I even got here. You don't even realize it. You don't even realize you're just like at the place that you're supposed to be. You're at work or we're at like daycare to drop off the kids. And I'm like, I kind of don't even remember that drive. Yeah. It's so funny. So that's the routine, right? And then there's always a reward with a habit. So you got the trigger, you've got the routine, and then you've got the reward. So with driving, your reward is that you get to drive instead of walk. That's the reward. That's the reward. So as humans, we're programmed that the better the reward, the more likely your brain is to remember that trigger and routine. Okay, I got you. And that's super important. Um, I have a really good example. So wherever we experience a trigger, we want the reward, which launches us automatically into a routine, usually without thinking about it, which is what we've been talking about. Right. Um, And I thought this was an interesting example. So beer commercials, they have attractive women in them, right? Right. Or attractive people in general in them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. Depending on your definition of attractive. <laughs> okay. Good point. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, according to normal standards of American beauty, they have attractive people. Yes. Way to put it. And this is this is smart on the part of the advertisers because it's not as simple as just using pretty faces to sell a product. In actuality, advertisers understand psychology and they're very smart. They're not they dumb. Are. Mm-hmm. They want to sell their product. Yep. But what they really want you to do, they don't want to just sell a product one time. They want you to be a repeat customer. 
And so what they're doing by using attractive people to sell their products is they want to create a link in your brain between sexual attraction and alcohol. And they want your brain to be triggered not by the alcohol, but by the sexual attraction, which is easy because in Maslow's hierarchy of basic needs, they're food, sleep, shelter, Mm -hmm. and sex. And those are the lowest on there. So anything that that will trigger that or that will make you like will trigger your brain for any of those things are going to be a stronger pull because yes. they're lowest on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh-huh. So advertisers then want you to desire the reward of sexual intimacy and then have that linked with the routine of buying and drinking their beer. Mm. Smart, right? They got you. They got you. So how does all of this translate into destructive habits? Sometimes our routines are destructive habits, right? Yep, they right. are. So really the science behind habit is why habit is so hard to break. Yeah, that's wow. I never thought about it like that with all the um, science behind it, but it all makes sense of how it goes from one part of your brain to another part of your brain and how different people play off of different things that can trigger you, which initially leads to habits, which initially leads to or leads to um not habits but lead to um what did you say it leads to <laughs> so the triggers lead the to trigger routines. routine yeah yeah and the routines lead to habit to rewards to and rewards that's what, and that's what a habit, habit yeah. oh my goodness yeah <laughs> so I, i'm trying to get all this i'm, I'm learning all the this science, yeah. yeah the science behind it i just was like i knew it was associated with rewards yeah. i did know habits were associated with rewards and i did know that there were triggers um, but the piece in the middle is kind of what I'm, I'm learning it and putting together. The routine, yeah. yeah, the routine. Well, yeah, because you know when we're now. in school, you always learn about Pavlov's dog, right? Yep, exactly. Everybody is familiar with Pavlov's dog because Pavlov's dog was trained to salivate yep. at the ring of a bell. At the ring of a bell. Yep. And so you always learn about the trigger and you learn about the reward. You learn about the reward. But you don't always learn the routine. The routine piece in, in the between. middle. Yeah, and that's exactly. actually one of the key parts. Yeah, right? so that's what I'm kind of picking up now. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it's, huh. Yeah. I tell you. So have you heard the term hardwired? Hard, yes. Okay. So when something is hardwired in your brain, and that's a common term, I think, but what people are referring to is a habit that is an ingrained, like maybe long-standing habit that you've had. Okay. Yep. And this actually has a little bit of science behind it because when something is hardwired or when there's a very long-standing innate um, routine that you just, you don't even think about anymore. Like when we drive to work now, what happens is those routines actually become, and neuroscientists have found that they become permanent grooves in your brain, which is why they're, which is why they're hardwired. Those permanent grooves are hard to change. That's crazy. Yeah. You Isn't got, crazy? yeah, you got grooves in your brain now. You're yeah. Trying to change I mean, those? you've seen a brain, but yeah. Hardwired, like it's just crazy. It's just crazy. Wow, it makes yep. sense though. Yeah, and so that's why that's why habits are so hard to change. And and specifically, you know, somebody could say like, "Well, that's such a destructive habit. Why do they keep doing that?" Like, I would I could say this all day long about people who smoke. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, it's bad for you. You know, it's bad for the people around you. It's bad for the environment. It is going to shorten your life by fifteen years, but. 
I'm, I mean, first of all, I'm not a smoker, so I don't understand that yeah. part, but I understand how something could become an ingrained habit. Yeah. And, and because of that reward. Yep, yeah, definitely. The reward. That's what I was yeah. about to say. Whatever that feeling is that you get. Um, but also, like you said, I think you have to change that reward or either change the triggers. Can you do that? Or like, um, or like, put yourself in positions where the triggers, the triggers, maybe not as prominent. As prominent, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's a great strategy. It's not even one that I thought about. Um, because so we are going to talk about how to break those destructive okay, habits. Okay, yeah. Um, but that's a really good one because first, before you can do anything, you have to identify your trigger. Yeah, exactly. And I, I guess we are kind of going there with it. Yeah, I think that's really smart that you said that because you can't always I mean okay so for most people a trigger is a trigger yeah and unless you're like an extensive counseling and therapy it can be very difficult to change the things that trigger you because a yeah. lot of times they're part of who you are exactly um, and how you or react. your environment or your environment um, and so I think it's smart that you mentioned maybe changing your environment or making sure that that trigger is going to be less or not as prominent for you right especially if it's an external trigger I agree um, but the first step to breaking a destructive habit is identifying your trigger. Um, so you want to really consciously think about why you have a certain habit, like what's actually causing it. Um, and most destructive habits <clears throat> have a distinct trigger. It's either an emotion or an environment that sends a signal for you to desire a reward. Yeah. And so for me, one of the most common things that I think about for a lot of people, probably a very general population trigger is stress. So when you get stressed, you want to feel like you're in control and relaxed, but you actually feel like you're completely out of control. Right. And you're not relaxed at all when you're stressed, right? But that desire to feel like you're in control when you're stressed can become very strong. Yeah. And so you may launch into a routine to seek that element of control. Okay. Got it. Right. And then the routine that is, that is your destructive habit. So for some people with stress, maybe it's drinking too much alcohol. Like this is definitely, I'm guilty of this in the past. Um, it could be smoking. You get stressed and you're like, you I need a smoke. cigarette. Yeah. Yeah. I need a cigarette. Yeah. It could smoke. be overeating. Yeah. Snacking. Yeah. Um, it could be, I don't, this may affect women more than men. I'm not sure, but it could be shop till you drop. Like, Ooh, shop till you drop. Shopping, shopping, shopping. Like some people will just go online and buy a whole bunch of stuff to make themselves feel better. Yeah. Which is temporary relief, we know. As are all of these. So then the second thing that you want to do is to identify a new reward and insert a new routine. Okay. So I was kind of thinking about how to explain this. Um, I, I really wanted to explain one after the other, but I think they tie so closely together that it's going to be hard to. Right. So the immediately, I think because of my background and because I'm so like, this is part of my daily life and this is how actually how I manage stress. But the first thing I thought about was exercise. Yeah. And to me, that is a that's an activity that you can do that can become a routine that creates a reward. Yeah, that's true. I also think that um, just when you have those urges or those triggers, um, 
I think just taking time before you're um, going into those those routines, Mm. you know, for instance, like you said about the the smoking, like if you feel that trigger um, of stress and smoking is your routine, like take a second and evaluate what you're about to do. And, and if it's what you want to do, um, for instance, like you said, snacking, you know, you're sitting down and you're feeling like you need something to do and, and you want to go snack. Like, take a couple of seconds and be like, do I really need this snack? Right. And the time that you spend trying to figure that out could. Maybe that'll be all the stress relief yeah. you need. Or it'll just be the stopgap, maybe. Yep, or the stopgap. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just. No, I think that's really smart. And, you know, I was thinking about as you were talking, um, I do want to be careful, too, because I know, like, for instance, you know, smoking is the example I use, but I'm not a smoker. Right, right. And I know that, especially in the instances of alcohol, tobacco, and a lot of foods, especially if they're very processed, there are chemicals that have addictive properties. Right. And I don't want to I don't want to downplay that because the the part of your brain that's hardwired into this routine and if especially if it's a destructive habit, it's going to automatically want that, but it's going to be tenfold like you're going to feel this tenfold more if one of those things is your routine that will lead to re- your reward because your body not only your brain is going to crave it by way of getting the reward and your habit and all of that, but it's going to crave it because there are actual addictive substances. Like we know nicotine in smoking, alcohol can be an addictive substance. Um, for some people, sugar is addictive. Definitely. Yep. Um, and so we definitely want to acknowledge that too, because if those, if, if something that is an, um, not illicit, but uh, just a addictive substance is part of your routine. Uh-huh. You might need more help than just being able to completely rewire your brain on your own. Right. Right. Um, so identifying the new reward and inserting a new routine. Um, for me, I thought about exercise right away. And that's because I feel like exercise can replace the routine whatever routine you are using so say your trigger is stress and all of a sudden you get stressed you have that trigger and before prior your routine was going home and drinking two or three glasses of wine Mm -hmm. and instead of doing that you're like you know what I'm gonna go exercise instead because exercise we know boost endorphins and other phytochemicals that are essential Um, and they're basically the same reward you would have gotten from drinking Yes. Because what you're ultimately looking at is for the relaxation, right? And that's what those chemicals do after you work out just naturally in your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I thought about. Do you have another suggestion for a new routine that would create a similar reward? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 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 that's just one for, for what relaxation yeah or for for stress maybe like for what's stress it? yeah a, a routine yeah something besides exercise that you could do no because they other bad habits <laughs> no i don't know I, I mean obviously that was going to be my go-to is to go for a walk yeah um get outside get some air um 
obviously finding someone to to be in community with i yeah. think helps as well um and then sometimes that could be a trigger as well so no i, I really don't know i was i was definitely gonna say taking a walk yeah um, because for me it's like getting up on my feet kind of getting the blood flowing getting some air that always kind of works um so yeah 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 um I think something that's really important about this process and about kind of the process to break a destructive habit is the fact that you can't just, well, I said break it and you can't break a destructive nah, habit. You can't break it. You got to change it. You got to change it because your brain is still going to have a reaction to whatever your trigger is. If your trigger is stress or if it's depression and these things send you into an automatic routine or habit that you barely even think about anymore. You're going to have to do the work on the front end to think about how to change the routine, but there's not necessarily always going to be a time that you can change your trigger. Yeah. And so instead of breaking the habit, you have to completely change the routine. Yep. Yep. Or replace your routine, I guess is a better term. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's more than just the routine part, though. Like, we're talking a lot about the routine, but I feel like like there are a lot more steps in it than just the routine. Yeah, what kind of steps you got? Um, I mean, I don't know. I'll, let me think about it for a second, but I think there's definitely more than just... Like, we're talking about just that middle piece, but I yeah. feel like the process involves a lot more than that, and there's Absolutely. a lot more. Agreed. And the framework encompasses a lot more than just the routine piece that we're talking about. Um, give me a second to like put my brain on it. Um, but I definitely think that there's more. Um, and one of the books that, you know, I've read and that I, I like is the power of habit. Um, oh. yeah. While we do what we do in life and business. Yeah. Um, and that's by Charles, uh, Duhigg. I think that's how you pronounce it or Duhigg. And, um, I'm trying to wrap my brain around like some of the things that, that was mentioned in there, but just kind of in general, um, I think a framework when you're talking about it in context of being more than just a routine is like identifying the what, which are the routines. I think that's like a very important part. So we're talking about the routines, but you got to identify the the routines and, and what they are. Um, not only that, you gotta evaluate the why, you know, mm-hmm. I think that kind of goes along with like the rewards. Why is that reward so important? Why are you seeking out that reward? Mm. Um, and, and just kind of evaluate that. Can you maybe adjust your reward or find something, um, as a counterpart to that, to that reward or to that? Why? Um, I think defining like the when, which are the triggers, um, or, or the cues like defining when. So if it is the environment, if it is people, if it is anything specific, um, defining when that happens, when you're around those people, does it happen when you're involved in something specific? Does it happen when you're engaged in something? Does it happen? Um, I think that's very important. And then you got to come up with a plan, Right. Because you can't change. That's true. It'll be difficult to like change your routine or your habits in general terms 
um, if you don't have a plan. That's true. Yeah, I think that's very important. Coming up with a plan of how you're going to address all of those. And then I think when you're talking about habits, one of the hardest things to do is gain power or control over those habits. Because like you said, it becomes second nature and it becomes instinctive. So you automatically do it and you lose power and control because you do it without thinking about it. So if you do it without thinking about it, you're in theory not controlling it or you're not in control. control You don't have the power of it because it's become a habit. And and like you said about in the science part of it, it's moved to that other area in the brain. What's that word? Basal ganglia. The basal ganglia. Yeah. And then once it goes there, it's second nature. You don't think of it. You've lost power and control over it. Yep. So in order for you to change it uh, or to make those adjustments, you have to have that power um, or that control over it. And and the only way to get that or to do that is by um, creating a plan and going back through all of those other um, suggestions that I just mentioned in the framework. And then I think one of the biggest challenges um, that I know for me, for sure, and, and and probably other people as well, but I don't want to speak this on to other people, is that when you're talking about changing habits, um, you usually, when you make up your mind that you want to change a habit, like you're looking for results to happen right, right fast, now, yeah. fast. I want to see it fast. Yeah, yeah, because for you to make up your mind, like you've either had to have gone through it or you're tired or it's put you in a position to where you're failing um, or you're having some unsuccessful circumstances and you're like, dang, I got to change my habits because I want to get right. I want to get on the right track. I want to find success. I want to do this. I want to do that. And you're looking for that instant gratification. Right. But sometimes it doesn't happen like that. So in the process of creating your plan, you have to be realistic with yourself and knowing that this is a habit that has impacted me in this way. Yep. And I've had this habit for this amount of time. And I know that it's not going to change overnight, but I'm willing to stay the course. Yeah. So that I can make this change. And sometimes it can take a long time, but you have to remain open and honest with yourself. And sometimes when we're looking for that instant gratification, when we're talking about dropping bad habits or not dropping or changing bad habits. We don't be patient enough to wait for that. And we fall right back into the habit and then we regress. That's a great point. And I automatically think about the people who want to lose weight or want to start a diet. Yes, 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 yes. It's so easy to fall off the bandwagon or to fall into temptation. Like, I see you, Brownie, over there, you know. And so I think it's important what you said about staying the course. Yeah, so... Um, I don't know if that's where we were trying to go, but yeah, I, I think kinda, that, yeah, I think that's amazing. Yeah. I told you if you give me a second and let me put my brain on it. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so I think that that framework is 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 a framework that I would suggest. Um, and, and it comes back full circle mm-hmm. to what you said about um those routines. Yeah, changing those routines, but I feel like you have to kind of apply all of those other different areas to get to the routines, which will um, overall change the habit. What do you think just willpower alone has to do with changing a habit or, or the routine within your habit? 
Say that question again. What do you think that willpower alone has to do with changing a habit or, yeah, changing a habit? Yeah. So willpower, um, I think that goes back to one of the comments that I made earlier about um, remaining open and and staying honest with yourself. Mm. Um, I feel like when you're talking about willpower, that's probably the most important thing is that you're honest with yourself. Yeah. Because the willpower is just you pushing yourself to make the change. Right. And when you're talking about willpower, it's typically you alone, maybe with some support or some encouragement, but it's no one else doing it for you. Right. And it's you. So you have to make sure that you're staying honest with yourself throughout that portion of the process because if not the willpower is irrelevant you know i was also just thinking um that recently we i mean we've talked about this already so people know but recently we've made a pretty big overhaul change to our diets right yes and I was going to ask you, how easy has this been for you to especially like resist temptation? And uh, you were in, you know, you were away from me. Right. Um, which were each other's willpower and accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, and so was it easy to resist temptation? Was it hard? Was it like, I think that's kind of why I asked that question, because it could have been easy to be like, well, I'm at a conference and it's okay if I, you know, have a couple cookies or whatever it is, you know. Right. Um, it was kind of easy for me. Um, really? Yeah. And, and um, I mean, you know me. Uh, the reason why it was easy is because um, some of those rewards changed for me. Oh, do tell. Yeah. So I think that like we're talking about destructive habits. Yeah. But on the flip side, there are also like habits of success or habits for success right um and i think by changing my reward system or or the rewards that i valued is really what helped me in our journey um so my rewards weren't so much based on the weight loss um it wasn't so much based on um all of the things that people traditionally think or say when they're talking about changing their diets it was right. a lifestyle change for me right not just a diet not just me changing what i eat not just me changing the things that i put into my body it was a lifestyle so with that lifestyle change came a change in what was rewarding for me to do this and take this journey with you um and, and kind of what those rewards look like for me was like achievement. So I use the the word or the term achievement because like I'm achieving in my mind longevity in my life. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? What am I achieving? I'm achieving me lowering the risk of me, you know, being a diabetic. Right. I'm achieving lowering the risk of me, um, you know, getting sick. Right. Heart disease. Yeah, heart disease. So for me, those are achievements. Right. So those are, if you want to call them like low medallions, I'm just like, Hmm. cool. By me eating well and changing my lifestyle, boom, I got that medallion, put that in my pocket, longevity, boom, got that medallion, lower chance of being diabetic, boom, got that medallion, 
lower chance of me getting sick. Boom, got that medallion opportunity to spend more time with my family and be productive in the time that I'm spending with them. So Uh, I think those were my rewards as opposed to I want to lose weight. Right. Well, okay. So your entire reward system changed. Yeah, based off of lifestyle, not just diet or not just a change in how or what we were eating. That's really cool. And it's so funny because we started this journey together. But I think it's important to point out the fact that people can... So for you and I, we had the exact same goal. We have the exact same desire, the same reward system with with this goal of completely overhauling our everyday diet. Right. But for me, it's I want to say it was a harder journey. It's been a month. It's been almost two months. And I've just now gotten to a place where I'm not craving food that is like high sugar, high processed, high fat foods that I used to crave. Right. But it took me a long time to get there. And I had to have immense willpower because I don't think it came as easily for me as it sounds like it did for you. Yeah. I'm not going to say I wasn't craving, but in the grand scheme of things, it's just kind of like, ah, whatever. Yeah. I'm good. Right. I think this is I just I think this is a topic that I definitely want to visit because I think a lot of people this is a huge one for people is diet, nutrition, um, health, you know, and specifically physical health, but, you know, health in general. And for me, I'll say the first week was easy that we made this decision. We stopped eating um, sugar and processed food, like added sugar. We still eat fruit. We still eat fruit, but processed, processed foods, added sugar, um, we stopped drinking alcohol. We stopped eating dairy. Um, and then we stopped eating meat like a week later. And so the first week was easy. Probably even the second week was easy. And by the third week, I was having sugar cravings so bad. And I know that sugar is addictive. And I know like there are addictive substances in it. But I was just craving it so bad. I was. And I had to resist temptation like they had a big thing of candy in the office after an event and I was like somebody put the they had it on a table next to me and I just kept having these like cravings for it even though I knew in my mind it wouldn't satisfy me if I ate one but I told somebody in my office I was like get it away from me like just take it away put it in the kitchen like put it somewhere else because it can't be next to me right now and so I struggled with that through like weeks three and four and even to this day like daily I'm making sure that I'm listening to a podcast that features a cardiologist or that features a specialist who works with gut health or diabetes and that helps renew my sense of why I'm why we're doing this in the first place but like I have to have all those mechanisms in place because a lot of these bad eating habits are so ingrained in me that this is going to be a process it's going to be a very long process for me to change my mindset even though I feel like I'm starting to get in this routine, this new routine, and I've replaced everything in the house. <laughs> yep. Um, and so there's no, tr- there's really no triggers in our house, right? Um, at this point, but 
it's still going to be a long process for me. And so I feel like people probably move through different processes with even the very same habits that they're trying to replace. Yeah. It always works out like that, though. When you're trying to make a change, (laughs) that's when temptations are going to be presented to you the most. That's true. Um, Or not even presented to you the most, but that's when you're going to realize or see what's already been in front of you the whole time but you never really paid attention to that's true you know what i mean because it's the same thing with me like and even when traveling like you know going out and and finding like restaurants and finding options for me to eat was was now that was hard yeah that was challenging but i was willing to go hungry before i went back on you know what we were doing yeah you did that was amazing yeah so like i made it a game like i was like and you found some good stuff. i did i found yeah. some good stuff <laughs> but i i was explaining to you um which was a habit of of how i identified places that i wanted to eat or where i wanted to eat um and the habit was to look for the bright colors the yeah. you know the glowing signs and the yeah. fancy stuff and none of those places really had nothing that, you know, that I could eat. Right. And then, you know, as I was looking and I kept seeing these little, I call them hole in the walls, no signs <laughs> up. They look like hippie. No offense to anybody that identifies as hippie. I, I identify as hippie. Okay. Sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. Sorry. No offense to you. Not but, taken. but like I look and I found these little hippie places and I walk up in there and I'm like, this what i'm looking for right here you know so yeah so that was a bad habit that i had to adjust and that i had to change it's crazy how it works yeah of how i had of how i was searching for um places to eat and and food to eat so yeah and well there's oh my goodness i almost don't even want to mention this because i could talk for hours actually one time i did talk for hours about this and about how um food is so marketed to us in a way that helps drive our habits to want certain types of foods. Like by our very biological nature, we we crave sugar and fat because it gives us energy and it's it's energy that we store. And then food marketers play upon that with additives to their food and the way they market it with bright colors and right. you know all this stuff anyway i could talk for hours about it and i did at a conference one time but we won't get into that on this podcast so here's what's so funny how we were doing a podcast about habits and now we're talking about food. i know now we're talking about food we gotta go back to habits <laughs> but but anyway although i do think that food food and poor diet choices are a pretty universal american bad habit yeah what was the first one of the top things what was the first snacking one snacking non-stop exactly and then eating too much fast food was in there too yeah so yeah. so it's, it's very important it's all it relevant is, it is all relevant but you know what though i think out of that discussion what i really just took away and what um registered with me is that in order to take control of your habits it starts with understanding mm. that's what i took from it understanding and the what, way that what you kind of understanding by educating yourself and yeah, understanding <laughs> understanding more of whatever it is you know do that you are think triggers that you could have or you would have followed through 
with our plans to overhaul our diet if we didn't also watch a couple key documentaries? Nope, not at all. And that's when I say understanding, that's a part of it. Educating yourself. Yeah. Um, just gaining some different perspectives and more knowledge. Yeah. And that understanding gave me the the term that you um, used or phrase was willpower mm-hmm. of controlling or taking ownership of my habits and then making those changes mm-hmm. that came from the understanding. Yep. So knowledge is power. It is yeah. definitely power. And not only knowledge, what was I doing when I was up there and I was finding these places what was I doing? Taking pictures and doing what? Sending them to and me. And sending them to they you. Were, yeah, you, you were. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, even though they are your habits, it's good to have support system. Yeah, very true. You know I what think I mean? a lot of times it's good, especially if your habits are destructive to you. Yeah. To have a support system. It's why, you know, AA works so well for alcoholics because yeah. there's support and public acknowledgement and definitely service you know? once you once you realize it and once you make that decision or you make the plans to make adjustments or changes and you regain power over it having that support is so important because for me while i was traveling knowing that i could send you a picture and you were going to give me that encouragement that i needed and saying way to go stay with it like that matter and when i say oh like it's no big deal like that's why right like that's why without that it probably would be a little bit more challenging for me right so i just also that that just kind of popped into my head to it as things are coming to me i'm just kind of saying them out loud right. i don't know if they go with what you had on the well i think we can talk about list. i think we can talk about takeaways and tips for people if they do have destructive habits we know for sure that if you have a destructive habit, you need to identify what your trigger is prior to anything else, I think. Mm-hmm. But once you have that down, there's definitely a couple of different strategies depending on what your destructive habit is. And um, no matter what, you're going to have to replace that routine that's destructive because that's a destructive part of your habit. Yeah. But I think there's a couple of different things that you've mentioned that yeah. are like finding your support system and your accountability and arming yourself with knowledge and wisdom about why you want to make the change and what the, what the ultimate benefit and good will be for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have other tips or tricks um, or takeaways? Basically what I'll do is just kind of recap some of the things that I did say, okay. just in case if somebody was taking notes or, yeah. you know, we're getting ready to finish up. Um, you know, there are positive habits or habits for success. Mm-hmm. And that starts with um, your triggers or your cue or your cravings, um, which also leads to your rewards. So if you make your rewards based around like promotion, promoting yourself, advancing growth achievements, um, typically those are going to be some habits that will lead you to being successful. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you catch what I said, you know, I didn't say nothing about accolades. I didn't say anything <laughs> about attention. I didn't say anything about likes on social media. I didn't say right. anything about follows. Because if that's what you crave, you're going to do whatever you need to to get those, that which are usually yeah. tied 
to destructive habits. That's a good point. So making sure that you align your rewards or or what you're craving or what you're seeking out around promoting or promotion, advancement, moving forward, growth, um, progress, achievements. Um, And then to just kind of go over the things that I said before is the framework or the practical guide um, is one identifying, you know, what those routines are, making sure that you understand and evaluate the why, the rewards um, that are leading you to, to having those habits, um, making sure that you know what the triggers are and when they happen and what's causing them. And then creating a plan is very important um, because that can help you set the foundation to making a change. And then once you do that, hopefully it leads to the next step in the process, which is gaining power or control over what the habits are and what your rewards are and being able to make that change and make that adjustment. Um, And then being patient, staying true to who you are and staying the course because it's not going to always happen quickly, even though in our mind, that's kind of what we want it to do. Right. Um, so making sure you stay the course and you remain open and honest with yourself, because usually if it's a habit, um, it's something that you were doing or you've obtained or that um, has been assigned to you because of yourself, mm. not because of someone else. Yeah. So making sure that you stay open and honest with yourself. So that's what I would share. That would kind of be a quick recap of, of, of some of the takeaways from this. I think that's great. I think you recapped it well. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. Yeah. So. Very cool. Um. Yeah. So that's what I'm, you know, so that's kind of some of the things that I do for myself with trying to change some of my habits. Um, and, you know, most of my destructive habits were based around pleasing people. Right. <laughs> and, and the rewards of that acknowledgement or that approval. Right. Um, so and you learned yeah and i'm gonna keep working on it too because you know sometimes i feel like that's very relevant yeah it's not fall just back. you it's you know there's times where i go through it more than others sometimes i don't care sometimes i really care and i think that's definitely a downfall for a lot of people today yeah especially in an age of social media um but i'm glad that i'm i'm glad that we were able to talk about this yeah. And I think it's important. We are by no means like licensed counselors. Maybe we should no. have said that in the beginning. But yeah. No. I just hope that you guys know that, you know, obviously this does not replace the need to talk to a licensed counselor or therapist if you need to. That's right. I think it's a very good step to take, um, especially if you're struggling with some of these more destructive habits. But for a lot of people who maybe are too scared to you know, go talk to somebody or identify even what their habits are. I think it's a good step just to start thinking about how could your life be improved, you know, if you were to make positive changes. That's right. Um, and that's ultimately what we want. That's why we're here and that's why we're doing this. Yep. That's exactly. what we want to do. Yeah. So that's all I've got. That's it for me. All right. Well, we will talk at you again next time. Until the next time. Hey, everybody. If you like today's episode, please subscribe to the Success in Black and White podcast. You'll get notified every time a new episode is posted, which is every Tuesday. If you love this episode, help us spread the love. Rate and leave a review on our iTunes podcast episode. 
Also, share that you listen on social media and tag us on your posts. My social media handle is I am Daryl Lovett on all social media platforms. And mine is April Dawn Lovett on all social media platforms as well. Thanks for listening. Oh my gosh, you sound like Keith Sweat. Oh my goodness, really? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. Oh, did it record? <laughs> yeah.